Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 490. This week on the podcast, a note on Joe Biden's Super Bowl TikTok and the wise words of Hillary Clinton, delete your account. And John Stewart is back and he's already thought crimed us, so things are looking up. Plus, the Santos special election is almost as bizarre as he is. And Nikki Haley lost Nevada to none of these candidates, which is exactly how we'd like to be voting in our own primary. Plus, we live in a world where the president is too senile to stand trial, but happy to run for a second term. And Congress has tied their two most evil bipartisan priorities together, and now they can't pass either of them. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey, y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Here we are. Happy post Super Bowl Sunday day. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, week. you're listening to this on Wednesday. Wednesday. What today is it? It's what today? What, what today is it? <laughs> It's, it's Tuesday today, and we know that because there's a special election going on today. That that, that was not a good way to start a podcast where I'm going to shit talk Joe Biden for being um, <laughs> able to string complete sentences you together later you, in this podcast. You're not running for president. <laughs> Fair. So don't worry about it. Um, but I, mean, I am only 42, though, so that's... <laughs> I mean, hopefully you won't be running for president when you're her, his age either. No. That's... Oh, I hope to be dead. Yeah. I, I Let's mean, be honest with ourselves. I, the, the way things are going <laughs> seems like it's inevitable. Um, anyway, back to the Super Bowl. Back to the Super Bowl. Well, back to the Super Bowl and Joe Biden. Well, yeah. Because they didn't have the mashup that you might have hoped for, no. I guess. Well, this was the second year in a row that they have denied the customary, customary Super Bowl interview. Right. And probably... Does he and hate probably in, Why? No, he hates um, people uh, thinking that he's senile. Uh, well. And the reason that they think he's senile is because... He is. He is and... That's proven by him being in front of television cameras. Right. There's no footage of him not being seen out. Right. So instead what they did, they thought maybe in a more controlled setting, they could create a real buzzy TikTok. Talk to the kids. So they joined TikTok on Super Bowl Sunday. (sighs) Wasn't great. Here's, I mean, I have thoughts about this. Sure. One of the thoughts was that I, I thought to myself, and I think you probably thought to yourself as anyone in America, I thought the government was mad at TikTok. And well, when no, did things change? The government employees, federal government employees in D.C., I don't think can have it on their phones. No. It's so like, this is from the can't. This is like the Biden-Harris HQ TikTok. Right. So and it's like, like. I'm actually not here to be like candidates should not be on TikTok because I the kids are on TikTok and the right. kids vote. But we've not we seen. Want them to vote. We've not seen one single bit of evidence from any candidate throughout their entire time putzing around on TikTok that they are doing the right thing on TikTok. Um, no. No, absolutely not. And listen, I think the point is... If the Ossoffs taught us anything. Sure. Talking the about Ossoffs. Musical.ly on TikTok. Oh, yeah. What's her name down in um, down in oh, Florida? Val Demings. That was, right? that was, that was an embarrassment. Yeah, there's been a lot of embarrassing things. And I think that in part is because, you know, I, I actually saw this on Jon Stewart yes. for the first time, <laughs> which we'll talk about in just a second. But, you know... I think that, and he was like, fire everybody. And that was my initial reaction too. But then I had a secondary reaction and I was like, this is probably very much the best social media advice that they are able to get for themselves right now, because especially on TikTok, because anybody who is going to give them good advice on TikTok is not interested in giving them good advice on TikTok. Well, I was just Maybe had they had their student loans canceled and we weren't genociding right now, then like they would be like, let me help you on TikTok. 
They're not interested. They're not interested. <laughs> and also, they can't fire. They just hired everybody. <laughs> we just talked about that like two weeks ago. They were oh, hiring right. AOC team members. They, they, they literally just made big hires in comms specifically to address this exact problem, the problem being that nobody wants to be communicated with by the Biden administration because nobody cares for him as a candidate. But so they, this is not only the best they could do, but it's the most recent best they could do. It's the most up-to-date best that yes, they could 100%. do. Yes, 100%. So, and I also have a suspicion that good ideas were nixed in the process, that also there isn't a good idea oh, to have. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. reasons that this could that this went wrong. No, that but are, awkwardly talking about Travis Kelsey's mom making chocolate chip cookies. It's not, wasn't it? Was not it. No. In the process of all of this, though, I also learned a little bit about why this transition has occurred where someone like Joe Biden can be on TikTok. Oh. Because I was like, what happened? I thought that government was mad at TikTok because of security issues. I thought yeah. that because of that, they weren't going to play our game of enjoying life right. and w- watching TikTok. We had a whole thing with the GOP debate, remember, when um, yes. uh, Vivek Ramaswamy got... You know, in trouble for saying that Nikki Haley's adult daughter shouldn't have started a TikTok account. Remember? Yeah. Vivek, who was on TikTok himself, I believe. I mean, no, there's (laughs) been a lot of discussion. Yeah. There's TikTok discourse in politics. Yes. How much we all. And and remember that hearing where they just like eviscerated the CEO of TikTok last year. Oh, sure. There's been a lot of discussion about how dangerous it is. Remember when we thought it was going to be sold or canceled or turned off or whatever you can do to an app? I'm not really sure. People were filming goodbye videos on TikTok for a long time just in case the app disappeared. (laughs) A lot went on. And so I thought to myself, what has happened that someone who can only be described as a fuddy-duddy like Joe Biden, yeah, ended up on TikTok after all this time. Yeah. And what has happened is that TikTok, like, doubled their lobbying budget in Washington and now has the most hilarious list of lobbyists <laughs> working for them. That list includes Chuck Rocha, the former Bernie uh, uh-huh. uh, advisor. And listen, I'm not shocked to hear that. But it also includes Trent Lott. Sure. Joe Crowley, i.e. the guy who lost his seat to AOC, AOC but was once the number three Democrat in the House. Yeah. I mean, like, what? What? Who? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, Trent That's Lott wild. is, like, taking meetings in Washington to be like, you guys should really be on TikTok. <laughs> like, what's going on? I know. It's wild. Like, they have really worked hard to get candidates onto TikTok. These guys are literally roaming Washington being like, you know, your campaign should be on TikTok. Yeah. Like, what a time. In, yeah. in the series of tubes that is the internet. Right. To be alive and with eyes. But I think, yes, that is all wild. I think that if you're Joe Biden, and he is too old to know this, and not just because he's old, but just because in the space of TikTok, he's right. like way too far gone. But like, I think you have to know that if someone like of all people, Trent Lott shows up and says, yeah. I've got a great idea for you. Be on an app that the 12 year olds are on. Just you have to get a note to say no. You have to, you know, kindly get him out of your room and think to yourself for a moment. Well, and say to yourself, <laughs> Does Trent Lott really know what's best for me here in my campaign? Does to he understand the, the series of, the of United States? Okay. And also, is it's nice that Trent Lott's making a living, I guess, for Trent Lott. You know, people have to pay bills. I get why Trent Lott is has has decided he'll lobby for TikTok. Sure. What is he so busy with? But like, you have to say to yourself. Hey, Trent, so nice to see you. <laughs> right, I'm that's so it. glad you're making a living. Also, goodbye, Trent, and have a nice Sunday or whatever. Like, you yeah. you have to know to yourself that Trent Lott's just trying to make a buck <laughs> and take that information in. That's right. And it's, Aye. anyway, it was deeply upsetting 
the whole situation. All of it. All of it. It was upsetting to me as someone who watches a lot of TikTok. Yeah. It was upsetting to America as people that have eyes and ears. It has been upsetting to just be reminded that Joe Biden is running for president again when I was told by his campaign that he would consider not running in this cycle back yeah. when he ran last time and was too old then. I mean, there's just like a lot <laughs> that's upsetting about this yeah. uh, information. Um, yeah. There were other... Super Bowl Sunday political advertisements as well. Yeah. I would say the most notable one was the RFK Jr. Wow. ad that where he like That was shocking to us. a bunch of like Kennedy for president yeah, it was, imagery. It was it was based on the an actual ad. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, was he basically was like took a Kennedy for president ad and then made it for him. Yeah. Well, it wasn't so he apologized to the family for it. Although I think he still has it pinned on his Twitter account. <laughs> but it it was his super PAC. Right. So that also, though, is, he basically you know like you got to control your super PAC. Right. Because, well, right. And that was the way that he got out of this because, yes. like, he apologized to the family because they were, like, really pissed about it. And then he claimed that due to campaign finance rules, he was not able to, you know, talk to his super PAC about this ad, which is like. That couldn't be less true. Nobody is buying any of those no. things. Like that. I mean, but luckily, you're barely big, running for president. That's a big buy. I was yes, impressed yes. by that. I mean, it was it was a good ad. I mean, well, like, it I was. was an, it was a famous historic ad that wasn't for him. Like, so it was great in that sense. I mean, I think that was a good oh, yeah. use of a lot of money, certainly. But I mean. But what's. He, needed he has a, rich backers also. He, he so, has rich I mean, backers, and also he needed a thing. Yeah, for sure. What's he doing? Doing small-time campaign events is not getting RFK elected president. No. <laughs> you know? Like, a Super Bowl ad is really worth blowing all your money on when you're yeah, RFK. sure. Seems like also they should be blowing a lot of money on um, ballot access. So I'm, yes. I'm curious uh, if they're doing that. Although, have you heard, apparently, he is in talks with the Libertarian Party to run on their line? I've been and waiting a, for this to happen because who was going to run Vermin Supreme? Well, see, that's what uh, now. Obviously, there are a lot of libertarians who are taking issue with this well, because they're like, he's not a libertarian. He's not a libertarian. Which is true. He's <laughs> so a, he's looking for a ballot line. He's a vaccine libertarian in the sense that he doesn't think you should get them. And sure. That feels libertarian to me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's a person who was just not long ago running in the Democratic primary. Yeah, when he's not a li- <laughs> so. he's not a Democrat, but he's also not a libertarian, well, right, which is a different political ideology. Altogether. But the Libertarian right. Party is a real catch-all. Wow. Anyone can run in the Libertarian Party primary. They yeah. constantly have primaries filled with just random people who have no specific political sure. identity. So this is very yeah. par for the course with them. <laughs> right. It is. And it would certainly make their line more interesting. Well, see, that's what I think. When you're a party like that, at some point, you'll just sort of like take a little you'll bit of a You'll run Roseanne Barr if you want that's to. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, other people running for something during the Super Bowl was Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who ran a commercial mocking me for my broken toe. Uh, that's right. I have a broken toe. Jesus ran a commercial that was entirely somebody a commercial. <laughs> trying to attend to people, what looked like people's broken toes. It was literally just, it, would, it, looked, like, it looked like people putting ice packs on feet to me. And the whole time I was like, why does everyone in this commercial also have a broken toe? Sure. And then at the very end, it turned out it was Jesus. Yeah, it was Jesus. Yeah. Advertising. Yeah. Who but. did that advertise? I mean, obviously some like rich conservative group that was just like some weird. Yeah. The Hobby Lobby people. Oh, the Hobby Lobby people. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, It was not. Jesus himself uh, did not put the ad together. So I guess no. I could forgive him for that. I did feel mocked by the Hobby Lobby people, though. I and I I was already boycotting Hobby Lobby. So I guess in that sense, I don't have any way of really like letting them know how unacceptable this was. But <laughs> I am thinking about it and I will be taking that anger with me. Yeah, sure. Um, all, but, like, Catholic Jesus also 
uh, advertise. Oh yeah, the Scientologists. Scientologists always like, advertise. Yeah, I, uh-huh. What are they so busy with? They, yeah, they have time to advertise at the Super Bowl. They have nothing but money and no followers, so it's like, why not <laughs> go ahead? You know. Yeah. Um, but it was like a very. It's just like a real confluence of religious organizations uh, vying for, um, I guess, apps. In the case of the Catholics. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, mockery there was the prayer, in the case the prayer of Jesus. App. Yeah. Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. hawking a, a Catholic app. Yeah. It, I didn't want to say that sentence. <laughs> Here we are. In any case, um, but then the next day, Jon Stewart was back. Jon Stewart is back. Yeah. And people have thoughts. And he's thought-crimed me, so I feel great about it. I know. That was my favorite part. I, I mean, he really, I mean, he really went in on Biden, which yeah. I think is what people are having thoughts about. Although, because I think people are sort of like, you know... Idiot run-of-the-mill Democrats were yes. like, well, thank God somebody is back to take on Trump like he deserves, to right. belittle Trump, you know? and Not realizing and they're running being, the weakest candidate being possible. Right, exactly. Being back the Monday after, you know, some of this discourse has started to change. For the first time, the mainstream media is sort of like starting to wonder whether maybe Biden is up to it. Has the mental the, acuity <laughs> himself to after run for the, president. After the Herb report. So, like, it was an interesting time for him to pop back right back in. That's right. And, you know, my favorite part about it besides you know that i there was so much true in it that spoke to me but you know his whole point was like it is not the job of voters to pretend that they're not seeing what they're seeing with their own eyeballs it's the job of the candidate to assuage any fears that they do or don't have the mental acuity or sharpness to be running for president and like that is what I think, like, we have been screaming right, on this we podcast. Talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time, not even in relation to Joe Biden. No. Just in in, in relation in, to literally anyone running well, for president who wants us to vote for them. To anyone who is asking for our vote. <laughs> yes. That, because right, the yeah. Democrats frequently act like they're owed and that they don't have the responsibility of asking. And that was his whole point. Like, how, how do Democrats expect us to vote for them if we're, like, not allowed to ask any questions about, like, the candidate? You know, it's like, it's not our job to just be like, Everything's fine here, but it seems like there are a lot of Democrats who, who think have that's their been, job. been doing it, and they've well, been doing and it. And I saw some weird spin on these John Stewart comments with people trying to sort of like spin them into being an acceptable moderate Democrat take with, and this is, I don't think what he was intending to, for us to take from these comments. I will preface this by saying, but being like, see, first he's going to lure us in with realness and then he'll, that's what, you know, he'll use our trust to convince us slowly to vote for Donald Trump, uh, to vote for Joe Biden, which is exactly <laughs> right. what we need. And I was like, I feel like that also is not John Stewart's responsibility. No. <laughs> His responsibility is to skewer the news. Yeah. The, the people of the news. Yeah. Um, sometimes the news itself. Right. But like, and he's, he's a comedian. Right. I don't know if you guys remember. <laughs> right. This is a Comedy Central show that that's he's right. on. And while he's one, I mean, he's one of America's best political communicators. Sure. That's why he's in this position. Yeah. Sure. And maybe it would have been useful to have his insight in 2016 when it sure. could have really altered right. the way that we talked about that but, election. But it's not his job to come in just to hawk for a lame no. candidate. And it's his I was going to say, there's there's two senile presidential yes. candidates running right and now. And he's so going like, to mock both of them. That's what he's going to do with exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. Also, I think that there is this sense, because I often feel like at this stage in a campaign... And this is as true, I think, on the Democrats, the Democratic side as the Republican side. But I think in particular, it bugs me on the Democratic side. One of the reasons I love primaries so much is because they help identify your weaknesses and help you figure out what you're going to do about them in the general. So like a primary, a competitive primary is so important 
because even though it's annoying to hear all of your flaws constantly relayed back to you by idiots who don't care about you, right. what that allows you to do is understand what your flaws are so that when somebody later relays those back to you in a general election with a bigger audience watching and more on the line, you have a, an answer. Right. You, you're, not, you're both not surprised. You know what the oppo research says about you already. Sure. And you can figure out how you're going to message that. And right. I feel like at this stage in the primary, where Joe Biden is going to sail to this nomination without any opposition, and Donald Trump is also sort of sailing with no opposition, but at least everyone kind of knows what the flaws are going to be because he's had a chance to hear what his opponents will say about him. Um, his, we're going to know what the oppo research says about Donald Trump before the end of this primary, and we are not going to know what the oppo research says about Joe Biden, which means everything is just going to be a big surprise when we get to, you know, August, September, October. Yeah, and for sure. Some like this is this is this is John Stewart doing them an enormous favor by pointing out yeah, that for sure. even your supposed allies have concerns about this thing. So what are you going to say to us about this in September that is going to convince us that in two months we can vote for you? Like right? that's what you know. That's what the responsibility is of an engaged media and an engaged electorate and a primary process. Yeah. And almost nobody is fulfilling that responsibility right now. <laughs> no. But so John Stewart is somehow like a sole voice who has both an audience and an interest in fulfilling some of this responsibility. Yeah. And I would contend that there have been times that he has not even asked the toughest questions of these candidates. For sure. And but also he it's a fucking comedy news show on Comedy Central. It shouldn't be all on John Stewart to <laughs> no, do this. Thank you. But my point is um, this is a huge gift to the Biden administration or to the Biden campaign if they choose to use this information. Yes. It, I hope they watched. And I hope that they watched and I hope that they were like, oh, we are concerned. Yeah. What it's not going to, it's not going to be helpful though if everyone's just like, well, don't listen to Jon Stewart. Like, I, I know. You know, he's pointing out what no, your know. own voters are saying about I you. Know. It is literally just like in the ether that people are disappointed about this candidacy. Right, I know. So like, what are you What are you gonna tell us? I know. Well, Say if, something to I know. us. Well, he had a really funny bit where like they, he ran a sort of a supercut of all of the Democrats that they sent out to television interviews after the Herb Report came out. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit to talk about like how sharp he is and how he, when when President Biden gets in, in a meeting, he really takes charge and he leads it and he's moving the pieces around and all of the, you know, and they was just like, you know, they sent out a hundred people to say some version of that on Friday after the Her Report came out. And they came back to John Stewart and he was like, are they filming that? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it would be great to be seeing that instead of what we're seeing. And obviously like that was a joke. But that's also a wonderful idea. And I realize that they're not yeah. going to release video of him talking about classified information. But I mean, like, you know, seeing the president looking sharp yeah. and, and running things is like, like, that's that's important information from Jon Stewart to yes. whoever it is that's running his campaign. That's like how, important information. How, how can they do that? How can they do right? that? Right. So they are they should be getting good ideas from him, even if they're getting partially skewered. It just... If they could hear good ideas, it would be helpful. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like a lot of the time what That's they're not part, yeah. able to do, they're being given good ideas and they're not hearing them. Yeah. Um, in any case, welcome back to him. And also, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. welcome back to hearing criticism to the Democrats. I know. Um, and to everyone. And everyone could be learning from this, and instead everyone's yeah. complaining about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the George Santos special election that's happening right now. Yeah. Because this is, this is an election that is funnier for a lot of reasons than it really has any right to be. 
So well, I feel like this election has a right to be very funny. <laughs> well, I, I was concerned that it wouldn't be funny because I'm so sad to see George Santos go. Yeah, of course. So right. I felt like the level of comedy. Yeah, it's never. It will never is, be was, as funny. It'll never be as funny. Yeah. And so I was kind of like disappointed that we were going to have to have just a normal election no, with people um, yeah. to replace George Santos. Yeah. It's kind of a more chaotic situation, though, than I had realized because. So, OK, there's. Um, Tom Swazi, who is used to be in the House of Representatives in that district, yeah, had the seat. Had that seat up until 2022 is running in this race, and I think is probably anticipated to win. Um, it and large... He didn't lose to George Santos, right? Didn't he? Did he? I think that he got redistricted out of. Oh, it. maybe that's what it was. Okay, um, all right. But also, but the district. So the Santos district was new. Right. So and it's a more conservative district than Swazi's district was. Got it. Um. So he is running again now back in this district. Because I think that's why he had actually retired. Right. I see. I don't um, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was a longtime incumbent. And he's running against a Republican, as you would if you were a Democrat, who is an Ethiopian-born is Israeli army veteran. She's a former IDF person um, who is a registered Democrat, but is running on the Republican conservative party lines. Um and won't say on the record whether she voted for Donald Trump in 2016 <laughs> or 2020. So, like, the, it's a classic thing that people are doing. We're dealing with that in our Senate race. It's here. like <laughs> already a chaotic situation. But also, there is sort of like an additional layer of chaos in this race. I mean, and also, it's a special election, which has terrible turnout. It's, yeah. you know, there's a big snowstorm going on in New York. There's a lot of reasons right? this is chaotic. But also, so I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but they are going to have to redistrict the New York State congressional districts again. Good Lord. For the third time since the last census. So I think like an important note here is that this district is only going to be a district for another year. And it's only been a district <laughs> since 2022. And so this is like a fake election in a fake imaginary district that's about to disappear from our imaginations right. entirely. And, what's, and what makes that all the more crazy is that like... It's basically tied in the House of Representatives yes, with, the exactly. amount, with the amount of Democrats and Republicans. So, like, for all the nonsense about this specific district, it's hugely important. It's hugely important. <laughs> and because of that, the Republicans are doing a bunch of nonsense show votes right now just in case they end up having an even slimmer majority than right. they already have. Yeah. I mean, they have whittled away that small majority very effectively. <laughs> you know, it's like McCarthy left and, yep. you know, and, and then they had to get rid of George Sand It's like if you don't have credible people or... You know, if you run people out, right. um, what you end up in is a situation where you don't really have a strong majority anymore. And that's, <laughs> that's the kind right. of situation they found themselves in. Yeah. Um, I have one note about this district and just about New York State politics in general, because I think there's been an incentive among New York State Democrats as an excuse for why their showing was so poor in the last congressional elections. Being like, well, some of these districts are just pretty conservative, you know, they're very they're <laughs> for New York State. They're very conservative. And it's important that you note. That there is always the qualifier of for New York State, because there are very few districts in New York State that have a majority Republican, Republican. enrollment. In sure. Them. Very few. And so when we talk about this district, you're going to hear people talk about how it's a more conservative New York State district, right. which it is on the scale of New York State districts. It's not right. AOC's district. It's still plus Democrats, isn't it? Wildly. <laughs> so I want to just talk a little bit about vote share in New York State, because I feel like I once got into an argument with an RNC official on Twitter about the Republican enrollment in New York State, because I think that people want to believe that upstate New York is like very evenly split. 
And because, and because, you know, there are often times that Republicans will get elected statewide in New York State. Oftentimes those are because Democrats have run poor candidates in poor campaigns mm. and then are like, well, what could we do? We couldn't do anything. We ran the popular candidate off the line and now we have this loser no one wants to vote for. So what could we do? Right. Um, but when you hear people like Jay Jacobs start making excuses about how tough it is to win in New York State or whatever bullshit they want to say, I want you to keep all this information in mind. <laughs> so in New York State, statewide, only 22% of registered voters are registered as Republicans. Oh, wow. 22%. That is compared to 49% statewide that are registered as Democrats. <laughs> so that's statewide. And listen, I get it. You got New York City in there. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's not, you know, all fun and games. But so a district like this, which will all be, you know, which will often be talked about as like a conservative district right. in New York, uh, certainly for that area. Upstate New York has a few actually conservative districts, but even those only have a small majority of Republican voters. Most of the voters that they are talking about as Republicans in New York State are independent and they are not necessarily committed Republican voters. But so this district, this conservative district in Nassau County, Queens kind of borderlands, Instead of 22% registered Republican, it's 28% registered Republican. Oh, the, wow. George Santos's district, the district George <laughs> Santos, Republican George Santos won. Only 28% of the voters are Republicans. Now, there are 28% of the voters are also independents. That's compared to 24% statewide. But 39%, I think, yeah, 39% of the voters in that district are Democrats. That's compared to 49% statewide. But that's still a large majority of yeah, the voters in that district. For sure. This is not a district that Republicans should have any kind of lock on, nor is it a district a Republican should have won in the first place at any right. point in history. It is a district that flirts with a certain kind of New York State Republican. But it is, you know, it's a, it's a kind of district that like a Peter King can win. You know, like sure. that. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, of course. It's like a yeah. Lee Zeldin kind of district or uh -huh. whatever. But this is not a district where we should be talking about how we don't know how the Democrats, at least, should not be sitting around talking about ever like we don't know how it'll go in this district. Oh, yeah, right. They should be embarrassed if they lose this district. They were not nearly embarrassed <laughs> enough. They lost it losing to a complete buffoon in the first place. Yeah. But also it should have been so embarrassing that they lost it at all. At all. That they should have. Right, Jer George Santos everybody. or otherwise. Right, right yeah. they should have fired everybody and just started again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so as much as I think that Swazi probably has a good shot, he's well-liked in that district and had, you know was there for quite a while um, yeah. as their representative, I'm also like, why couldn't you find a better can a new better candidate? <laughs> sure. I don't dislike Swazi. Even. I, I was just like, it feels like everyone should have started over. Well, right, and it seems like that could have been a good time to sort of like sneak somebody good in there also yeah. because it's like everybody was so fed up with george santos it's like right. it seemed like a, it could have been a little good. bit of a free-for-all <laughs> that's that's the problem that's yeah. everything that's wrong with the new york state democrats they don't even want someone good yeah they just want someone medium <laughs> so in any case just keep that information to yourself as you watch the results tonight slash yesterday if you're listening to this wednesday yeah. and know to yourself that you should really if you are in any state in america and you are hearing about unwinnable races in conservative districts, go find out what the actual enrollment in that district right. is. Oftentimes, it is so different than you think it's going to be. Yeah. The quote-unquote conservative districts in upstate New York that are more conservative, are almost, they almost always have more registered Democrats than Yeah, Republicans I was going to say, it's them. not conservative in the sense that it's like, you know, 90% are registered Republicans, like in places in, like in South Dakota no. or whatever. It's like, that's... It's never that. That's, it's, it's it'll never be that. sometimes it'll be like... 
42% are registered Republicans and 43% are registered Democrats. <laughs> right. So like that kind of thing. Like you'll right. often find that there's actually still more Democrats in a lot of these yeah. districts. And even when there's not, that there's a very small majority of Republicans, a winnable majority. Right. So like just do your homework when you start hearing about mm -hmm. these random special elections. And if any state official who's a Democrat ever tells you that it just couldn't be helped that they had to lose in a place that seems suspiciously like they should have won it. Yeah. They're probably lying to you, and you should look up the enrollment figures yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even the Republicans had fed, had bought their own bullshit about upstate New York. Yeah. That is why I was getting into Twitter arguments with Republican officials from the RNC national headquarters <laughs> right. about what the correct enrollment figures for New York State were. Because <laughs> I was like, no, only 22% of the state is registered Republicans. And he was like, that's not true. It's 40-something percent. And I was like... Sorry, friend. This is a ma this is available on the state board of elections website, and it's a matter of public knowledge. Oh boy. In any case, here's some sad news. Oh. Marianne Williamson Williamson has dropped out of the presidential race. I'm what glad. I'm I'm glad to hear it come out of your mouth that yeah. that was sad news for you. <laughs> I mean, I feel fine. My mom and Brent had a nice exchange about it. My mom we sent did. a condolence note to Brent. Yeah, <laughs> about she it. did. It was very sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So now Brent's got to figure out what his new life is. But listen, he's having plans, you guys. I'm not having plans, no, as it, it turns out. He's, I'm having a lot of election stress. Well, this is something right that now. I have been because I started an essay about this like four years ago or whatever, when I was so unenthused to have to vote for Joe Biden the first time. Yeah. Um, where I was just like, I think that there is a certain kind of like election malaise that is not something that you can because you run out of opportunities to tell me it's the most important election of our lifetime because at a certain point it's like well if it's always the most important election of our lifetime that 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 means it's not the most important election of our lifetime and <laughs> i know that it's like you the logic kind of cancels itself out but i feel like there's a certain kind of malaise that is experienced by people who like are never given the opportunity to vote for anyone who is even halfway in line with their principles <laughs> right that where everything starts to feel kind of like worthless. And I found myself four years ago, and I was a little bit sort of concerned about this because I think a major piece of my identity is being a political person. Yeah. You know, I'm somebody from a political family. I have always been interested in politics. I have done a bunch of political work myself. Like I was finding myself being, feeling sort of like, well, is voting even worth it? And I was like, Imagine that coming out of my, like, what has <laughs> right. happened that that's coming out of my mouth? Right. Like, how do I re-engage myself in this process? I haven't yeah. figured it out. But, <laughs> I, but I feel like it was, it was concerning to me that I couldn't keep up the charade of this being important anymore yeah. because it was, it had, it was so much an act of theater at a certain point because right. nothing meant anything and everyone was terrible and, like, the options were just bad or worse Right. And everyone kept trying to convince me that the option of bad was good. And I was like, I feel like I'm being gaslit and I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like, I think there is something sort of concerning about living through a time where people like us who have devoted so much of our lives to sort of making this a piece of our identity, like yeah. can't find it in us to be like engaged right. in the most kind of like meaningful level of election that exists. Right. Like that is concerning. I know. So I we're mean, in like, an existential crisis I, over here. Yeah. And the the Marianne vote, like, you know, I'm being dramatic about it. But I mean, like, it really did sort of, like, hit me just in the sense that it was just sort of, like, that was who I intended to vote for in the primary. And, like, it wasn't right. because I had some grand idea that, like, she was going to all of a sudden, like, swoop in and be the candidate. And maybe I don't even know if I want that anyway. Right. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> <I don't>. like, <laughs> but, like, you know, now I'm just sort of, like, 
well, what am I supposed to do? And I understand that it's an incumbent president, but then I'm sort of like, you know, I look at the Senate race and sure, I hate Adam Schiff, but then I'm kind of like, what different result do I get to with any of these people? And you're sort of starting to work on me on that front and you'll continue to Obviously. try and get me to vote for Katie Porter. But then, you know, and then my house district is like two people who are like both like vaguely will tell you that they're progressives right. that are running and, 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 are... They've, and they've run against each other like three times before. It's my right. first time in that district since I just moved. But I'm just kind of like, like nothing, Matters. Uh, nothing above like any of the judges like holds any value for me to feel like yeah. I need to vote in right now, which no, is and that's unfortunate. For, for... That's also why having a that's also why having a primary is a good idea. Also, yes. is to engage with voters. Yes, to to create to make it feel like people have had been able to take a meaningful step. Because to me, also, it's really important that I get to cast my protest vote where I want to right. in a primary, in particular. Yeah. Because to me, I don't think that that's a wasted vote. I think that that tells the candidate who ends up being the candidate that there is a group of voters who have these principles and these priorities yeah. somewhere in your umbrella, right. and you have to, or in your tent umbrella. <laughs> It's a tiny, it was a tiny, it's a tiny tent. Um, somewhere in your tent. And can you figure out how to engage with those voters? Here's where they are. Yeah. And to me, that feels like a meaningful piece of, I mean, it's a piece of information that I feel like Democrats have to varying degrees either chosen not to use or used. I think a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, um, th there were, there was a lot of ignoring that fact with Sanders voters, even though they made up such a huge you know, group of voters sure. under the Democratic tent. Well, and also, but like, I also think some people have there. You have seen down ballot candidates successfully appeal to those voters because they know they're there oh, because of those races. I mean, you know, undervoting in the presidential race is actually why Hillary Clinton lost exactly. in 2016. I mean, people talked about like you know the 27 thousand people that voted for Jill Stein in Michigan. There were like something something like 50 or 70 thousand people who like didn't did not up. vote in the presidential election but cast ballots. Yes. No. Exactly. <laughs> no. I, and they took no learning from that. No, and and I feel like oftentimes they, you know, sort of speaking to our point that about John Stewart thought criming us earlier, like <laughs> that they will often act like that's the fault of the voters fault. instead of their right. fault right. for not. No, it's like I went to I went the polling the trouble place of going to vote <laughs> to vote, and I voted in other elections, but you're the worst. Right. No, exactly. Sorry. Like this, <laughs> this there, there's sort of like two things that you are served by in a primary process, and especially when you have a candidate that people are unenthused about. Right. And one is to tell you where the voters are so you can appeal to them. Right. But one is giving them an opportunity to meaningfully participate in yeah. some piece of the process so that they feel like they got to tell you they were pissed. Yeah. And to not have that happen at all, which often happens in an incumbent presidency, but with such an unpopular president who I, I am shocked by the people who are telling me that they're not interested in voting for him, who are the kind of people who would go along with literally any Democratic candidate right. whatsoever. Well, they're going mean, like, to vote for him. Oh, no, no, they're going to vote for him. <laughs> but, but that, to me, says that there is a larger majority of unenthused people than usual. Sure, fair. You yes. know, it's not... Hillary Clinton, for all of her flaws, had fans. <laughs> sure. Who were active fans of hers. Um, I have not heard one person try to convince me that Joe Biden is the best. No. I've heard a lot of people convince me that I have to vote for him or try right. to convince me that I have to vote for him. I haven't heard one of them tell me, though, that he's the he's awesome. No. I heard tons of people tell me Hillary Clinton was awesome. You know, like. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And I had, you know, tons of people who had had, you know, sort of experiences related to her or with her or watching her or whatever that were transformative for them. That was a real thing. It wasn't, yeah. you know, necessarily my experience in that election 
right. with her. But I, I, people had sincere feelings of warmth towards her yeah. that they were trying to impart to me. I haven't had anyone say that to me about Joe Biden at all. Like, no. at most, you'll hear people be like, well, we have to vote for him. <laughs> right. Like, that's I not know. what you want to hear people say. <laughs> no, it's not. The diehard Hillary Clinton fans of 2016 were not saying, well, you have to vote for her. They well, were saying... They were saying you have to vote for they her. They were saying you have to vote for her in a mean voice. <laughs> in a mean voice. But they were also saying it was because they liked right, her. Right, sure, yeah. Like, I haven't heard anyone say that about <laughs> right. Joe Biden. Yeah. In any case. I feel um, like that's one of the only things that Hillary Clinton voters were saying. Was yes. You have to vote for her. <laughs> well, I feel like they were... I feel like that is true and also why in the most judgmental tone that they could personally muster absolutely (laughs) but they were doing it because they were voting for her and they meant it oh sure i like no one is even the people who are saying that about joe biden can't even muster that degree of conviction yeah right i see you know like certainly that was a problem in clinton's campaign because people didn't vote for her and that's why she's not the president (laughs) but certainly the people who i was engaging with yeah, yeah. Around I, I democratic politics who were yeah. excited to vote for her were actually excited to vote for her. Yes, right. It wasn't me, but it was them. <laughs> right. Now it's there's, nobody. There's no them. There's this, no them now. Year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I get it. Um, yeah. So that's, and you know, I feel like that leaves people like us in a weird position who yeah. I, I would really like to be able to make some vote somewhere on my ballot that is aligned yeah. with my principles in some way. And I think yeah. you asked me to vote for Joe Biden. There's very little aligned with my values yeah, in no. voting for Joe Biden at yeah. all. And certainly... That's not just, there's nothing aligned with my values about voting for Donald Trump. None of this is about talking about voting for Donald Trump. People often create a false equivalency oh, between those two. But I mean, it does take a, it, it does take your spirit away a little bit when you're having to cast a ballot for nobody. Yeah. For nothing. <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's a messaging problem for Democrats. It is. And yeah. people like us all, one more thing I'll say about this <laughs> now that I've gone on for a hundred hours. Um, it's because I've been thinking about this essay. But oh, yeah. people like us are just regular people, sure. But we actually wield a pretty huge vote share because we are the kind of like center of voting advice in our little circle. Oh yeah, for sure. So I think oftentimes people will often be like, it doesn't matter if those, if people, the wackadoos like Lila and Brent who are avowed socialists, who are, you know, who were Bernie people, who were complaining about whatever. It doesn't matter if we lose them. But like, even though we are all of those things, we are also sort of like a center of political advice for like a whole community of people. Yeah. It actually like does matter if people like us feel disenchanted and disengaged in the process. Yeah. And I think Democrats often discount people like us because we exist to the left of them. Yeah, right. But like people like us get people to the polls. There are people that only vote because I help them vote. Right. And they don't, they sometimes vote for people, for, you know, for moderate Dems that I wouldn't vote for. Sometimes yeah. I cast crazy votes, but a lot of people who don't feel comfortable doing that vote because of me. So, like, it's yes. mean to make me feel <laughs> sad. Anyway, this started with a conversation about Brent feeling sad about Marion Williamson, but I just turned it into something about me. That's fine. It's a podcast of only children. You, <laughs> you signed up for it. Um, <laughs> I didn't think twice about it. (laughs) (laughs) Us making things about ourselves is a natural way (laughs) things going. Um, In any case, hilarity in Nevada. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I had In my brain, I had skipped to the next story. But, no. yeah. <laughs> but we need to finish out our election updates with an important discussion about the Nevada caucus slash primary. Primary, right. Because they had this was the first year that they did that primary. Right. right? And so they had, and we've talked on this podcast about how there were different people entered in each right. of them. But then obviously people All the Republicans held out. separate races. Right. And it ended up really that the only person that was running in the caucus at all was Trump and he got like 99% of right. the vote. But that but because he was in the caucus, 
that means that he wasn't running in the primary. So Nikki Haley was running in the primary, right. but she lost to essentially all of the Trump voters who just mm-hmm. voted for um, none of these none candidates. Of these candidates. Yeah. Nikki Haley lost to nobody. Badly. <laughs> like very badly, yeah. <laughs> very badly. Yeah, it was and, a right. landslide. And this is why, again, I don't, I don't disagree with the plan to stay in the race. You have to like, see What else are you going to do? Right? But this is sort of like a scenario where I, and potentially maybe even she had not thought of, where I <laughs> sort of was like, the thing that you have to be thinking of is just your own comfort level with the amount of personal embarrassment that is going to come <laughs> over the span of the next few months. Because next up for her is in a couple of weeks losing her home state. Yes. So like, you know, I, I, I just like contend... the idea of just getting bludgeoned by none of these candidates. I mean, she lost by like 30% yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It was like 60 to 30. So yeah. I mean, it was to nobody. not to nobody. Like, you just have to sort of like... And listen, if she's comfortable with this, then maybe she's a better man than I am. Also, <laughs> but, though, like, I felt a little inspired by this because I was like, can we get a none of these candidates option on every ballot? Every ballot. Because I would solve all of my problems. I would vote for none of these candidates in Democratic primary, no problem. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's been numerous races in the last 20 years where none of these candidates could have easily won if it had been an option. For sure. So I felt a little inspired by Nevada. Like, I was yeah, like, good for them. Screw Nikki Haley. I mean, she made her bed, in my, in my opinion, she made her bed. So long ago, by entering into a race that she was going to find the ultimate embarrassment waiting at the end of, that like she should have already known she was going to be this embarrassed, and she should already be okay for it. She seems prepared for it. Let this is going to be the most embarrassing experience of her or anyone's life, and that's what happens. Yeah, she's losing to a man who I watched a 15 second video of earlier today of him watching a high school dance team and. Could not find one redeemable moment in because he there's a moment where he tries to dance during oh, it. Yeah, it's not good. That's horrifying. But also him standing silently and quietly also watching horrifying. a high school dance team, also horrifying. There was not one moment of that video no. that was right. But that's who she signed up to lose to. Yeah. In grand fashion. <laughs> she deserves what she's getting. But also, what a great moment for comedy. I know. I know. Like, yeah. And a great moment for democratic politics. I mean, not democratic, for, for democracy. Democracy. Because we learned about an important idea, which is that we could have an option to vote for nobody. Yeah. Actively. Love that. I would love an active nobody vote option. Love that. There are so many races that nobody could win. <laughs> and you should have to just start again if that happens. I agree. I yeah. contend nobody could have won George Santos's race before oh, yeah. George Santos even yeah. graced us with Agreed. his presence. Yeah. There are, it's, what a dream... That's my new, that's my new prop. That's my new democratic. I don't care about ranked choice voting anymore. I don't care about anything. (laughs) I just want there to be a none of these candidates option on every ballot, on every level. Democrats are going to kill everyone in America as soon as they possibly can. (laughs) But what could be more democratic? I know. Give us the option. That's why they're going to kill it. Yeah. Uh, It's my new voting rights platform. I'm into it. And I, I just convinced myself it's the most important. It's the most pressing priority in dem- in in, democracy. in democracy. Oh boy! Um, and next up on the podcast is why we need this option. Right? Is Joe Biden's brain working? No. No. <laughs> is the answer? The answer is no. And the next story after that? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to talk about the Her Report, which came we out last to. week. Which is speaking of great the- moments in comedy and horror. Oh my god! So this is the special counsel report that was looking into Biden's documents because everyone's we got have documents. To, we have to remember that all former presidents should have like you know 
Everyone's got documents. Secret documents at home, in the garage, in in the garage with the Corvette, as right. Joe Biden we, tried to remind us multiple times just to, I guess, to up remind his cool us he's factor richer than us? Corvette. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so, um, but the special counsel decided not to charge the president in this case, primarily because he found that nothing proved a willful intent by Biden to illegally hold on to classified information and his cooperation with the investigation. Because essentially it was sort of, sort of like, hi, I have these documents. Right. Maybe you want them. Right. He was happy so to was, cooperate right. because yeah. he also, yeah. that's, it turns out now that we know that these documents have been had in anyone's house, that they're in everyone's house and that nobody actually wanted to have the documents. They just <laughs> have them and they don't know what to do with them. Right. That's except for in the case of Donald Trump, who has, very obviously announced his plans to willfully keep classified documents. Right. Um, and bring them out at Mar-a-Lago And bring them out at Mar-a-Lago to share with people. Yeah. yeah. The rest of the presidential candidates don't even want the documents. They're not even aware they have them. They're just trying to figure out how to get rid of them. <laughs> right, exactly. In but, any case, but that's not the point. No, because additionally, into that being the reason that they didn't charge him, there was another reason that's way worse politically for him, and that reason is because... They said, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview with him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. So they literally were like, he's too old and senile to be charged in a court of law. That's right. That This is the person who's the current president of the United States, the leader of the free world. They said, Mr. Biden's memory also appeared to have significant limitations. From, um, he he said that his... um, his conversations with his ghostwriter from 2017 are often painfully slow, with Mr. Biden struggling to remember events and straining at times to read and relay his own notebook entries. Um, he couldn't remember important dates like when he left office or took office in right. various roles. Didn't, kept not knowing when he was the vice president, whether he was still the vice president right. at the time when they were asking him about time frames of things. And the only defense that the Biden people can offer to this is that is other people claiming that he sharpened meetings. Well, that that's which is what right. we're talking about with the John Stewart, which was the John Stewart uh, point yeah, earlier. Exactly. Yeah, and in response to this, they threw together a hasty press conference right. where he talked about how sharp he himself was, and then in the same moment at the press conference, got asked something about humanitarian aid to Gaza and talked about the Mexican president instead of the Egyptian president. Yeah. Uh, talking about the border being open for people from Gaza being able to get into Egypt, right. but he said it was Mexico. Right. Obviously, that's he's mixed up Mexico the two border issues that he's that's got right. going on right now, our own and the one over there. Um, but that is what, that was in the press conference to, to tell people how, sharp how sharp and ready to be president he is. I would contend that this is somebody who has had not just the last few years, but a lifetime to prepare for this charge. Because Joe Biden was already famous for misspeaks. For gaffes. So he's he's been gaffing since he's been out here. And yeah. that is not to say that um, that was really ever an acceptable way for him to be. But it's also to say that they should have known that as he got older, the gaffes, even, listen, I'm here to say that the gaffes seem senile. But even yeah. if the gaffes had nothing to do with him being senile and everything to do with him, his brain not working properly, um, <laughs> they should have been prepared to message on this with pre- with a precision that's never been known to man previously <laughs> right? before. Sure. Because well, they've also known what his actual age is. They've known his age and they've known that they just lost a senator to, to dementia 
at sure. an age that's not too dissimilar from his sure. age that started presenting around the time that he was his, that she was his age. Yeah. They they've dementia's in the air right now in Washington is my point. Well, it's because they're all 100. They're everyone's 100. And Joe Biden among the people who could have dementia based on age is also one of the people who was most likely to make a ridiculous gaffe prior to having this supposed sure. this possible dementia. <laughs> right. And so there should be no staff more prepared to message no, I know on mental acuity sure. than the Biden team. And it doesn't seem like any amount of messaging is enough to address this concern. Right. And that is because he is too old and already was having mental acuity well, issues and, and prior to him having mental acuity Well, that's issues. the thing. I mean, it, it's like, you know, people were so shocked by this. And I get that it was sort How? of... How? It was sort of an, you know, it was an official document, you know. I mean, sure. I, I get that it sort of was like... It was a big deal. I understand it was a bombshell, but it was also, you know, it was a couple days after he said that he talked on the phone to President Mitterrand of right. France, who died in 1996. Been dead for years. So like, and and that was enough for the Onion to bust out an old story of theirs about how Joe Biden has been speaking to dead European leaders who are convincing him to to come toward the light. <laughs> is the headline from the end, which is hilarious. But like, I, I just don't. Sometimes you're too old. I just don't understand the people on this earth who are in the media or otherwise who have both eyes and ears yeah and are shocked to be just fully a well now what are we going to do and well, there's all this discourse of what's the plan b and then they you know after that report came out there was the whole thing where they you know that they did that tweet about how great and wonderful kamala harris was and everybody right. like oh they're soft launching kamala harris it seemed like a true panic as if people didn't know that the president was senile. Here's what's happened. Because they knew. We all knew. <laughs> We've known. This is a man who spoke during his own campaigning about turning the record player on at night for the kids. For sure. You know, I. this is a man yeah. who's been famous for making gaffes since before it was acceptable to suggest those were age-related. Sure. But also a man whose gaffiness has increased who's recently gotten weird plastic surgery to make him look younger because he's <laughs> too old. Um, and who is in part sort of like unable to um, channel the frustrations and concerns of Americans because he isn't tuned into what they are because he's so old. Right. So like there's already all these age-related issues going on with sure. their campaign process. And on top of that, they have just been given a glimpse into the future because Diane Feinstein's last few years were the least dignified that anyone has ever experienced in life. So they're not shocked. No. What they are is people who were too confident in their plan A to come up with a plan B at the time that it would have been appropriate. I know. I know. These are people who are acting shocked because they get they got caught with their pants yeah. down. Yes, you right. know? Yeah, they had that, to act shocked. They had to act shocked because they had no alternative because no, right. this is... Well, we could have never seen such a right. thing coming. It's like... Nobody with eyes didn't see this coming. Right. What you were with people, you were people without a plan. Yeah. And that's very embarrassing. Right. Because even I've had a plan. For, for <laughs> right, I know. Like, I've had personal ideas about what their plans could be yeah. for years at this point. Yeah, sure. And I feel like they at one time did have a plan, which was to tell us that he wouldn't run for a second term. Yes. So what they did was they, they abandoned their own good plan. They did. That was a good plan. Mm-hmm. They abandoned their own plan. <laughs> it's a good plan. The in order plan. to keep power for themselves. Yeah. And now they're being faced with the consequences of their own actions, much like that TikTok meme tells you. <laughs> well, if it isn't oh, the yeah. consequences of my own actions, that's the <laughs> we're in the consequences right now uh, of their own actions. Yeah. And these are actions 
the American people have been begging them. Yeah, to, we, we didn't ask for it. Like, just to lay off of us. Yeah. The American people knew what the right plan was. Yeah. They've been in support of the plan. Part of the reason no yeah. one's jazzed about Biden is because we all thought the plan was for him not to run. Right. And now we're like, wait a minute, you guys didn't have any plans beyond yeah. that? And we were never jazzed initially either. It no. was always just sort of like, this is who is going to save us from Donald Trump. So like, nobody ever, nobody ever, even the people who happily voted for him in the year 2020, they never thought they were going to enter a stage of their life where they were ever going to have to pretend to be excited. That's right. And now here we are. Here, so, uh, and also, if you are too old to run, and listen, Joe Biden's not the only person who's been too old to run in a race recently. Bernie no. Sanders was certainly too old to run the last time I voted for him. But sure. you have to be real careful about not seeming senile once you're too old I was to run. Say, speaking mostly in complete sentences, Bernie yeah, Sanders. That's when he right. Was running the last time you, and listen, that's because he's a man who stayed on message since the 60s, so he hasn't <laughs> had to learn a new plan. Uh, that's uh, fine. He had a he had a way of dealing with this problem. Sure. Like not everyone gets senile, so that's great. But also, once you're too old, you have to really have come up with a campaign strategy that allows you to stick to your talking points in a way that makes it not seem like you're senile. <laughs> right. Some of these people have been like that's I mean that we just talked about this with Barbara Lee. Love oh, Barbara yeah. Lee, respect her legacy. Yeah. Would have been happy to have her in Padilla's seat sure. as a senator. Right. And now Barbara Lee is too old to be the person we're voting for for yeah, Senate. Right. And she appeared that way. Yeah. And she is lovely. And she is principled. And, and, listen, you're, and you're in a campaign ad. And now, I'm in a also. campaign ad for her. And Very I'm happy exciting. to lend my voice. <laughs> sure. You know, happy to support the non-shifts out there in that race. Yeah. But I also know that Barbara Lee seemed like someone who was too old to be newly the senator. Right. She right. was not too old four years ago to be newly the senator, and she deserved that chance. That's right. Because she has served us admirably in Congress. Yeah. And she certainly is a principled person. But And at no time did she appear as senile as Joe Biden has been appearing for... Well, that's for sure. ...a decade. But I also know that if you are one of the older candidates, you have to really seem sharp to, because you are too old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Joe, now we have this which everyone is pretending is shocking because they have to because they didn't come up with a plan B. Yeah. But it should have been his team's number one priority to not let this information get out. I know. And to also make him appear like he is as sharp as a 25-year-old running for president would be. Like, yeah. that should be their number one priority. Yeah. The fact that they don't seem to have any real way of combating this information that is also common knowledge this late in the game is a little shocking to me. Right. And I am kind of like, do you guys know what you're doing? And I think also the answer is <laughs> no. that they don't. So right. that's also that's a worry. not surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to move on to our legislative agenda here. The dead horse we're beating. For... <laughs> oh, God. So we've been talking about this border deal for a while. It's fully dead. Yeah. So guys. don't forget everything we told you about it because don't worry about it. Right. We're not going to get into all the details. We talked about it. The reason that it's dead is because Donald Trump said not to do it because he wants to be the one who gets right. to shut down the border. And the Democrats were, you know, big mad about it because they wanted to do the this is know, a racist and xenophobic thing by shutting down the border. For who gets to shut down the border. Right. Exactly. This is a bill that if would have been passed while Donald Trump was the president would have had Democrats in the street. Like, you know, with pitchforks. Honestly, now, I might have gotten into the streets with pitchforks even if Democrats Well, you should have. But yeah. pe people de wouldn't. Other Democrats right. wouldn't have been joining you. Exactly. On, uh, in the streets. Anyway, it's dead. So p the reason that 
that was partly why Democrats were going along with it, besides just that they've turned awful for whatever reason, is that it also, they were coupling it with aid to Ukraine, to Israel, and to Taiwan, and some humanitarian aid to various other places. That's right. So after the border portion of it seemed like it was dead, Schumer was like, all right, well, we're just going to do our own aid bill in the Senate here. And it passed something like 79 to... 20 right. or 70 to 22 or something like that. I don't know. It was a, it was a blow. It turns out you can just do the bill for the thing you wanted in the first place. In and first you don't place. actually have to shut down the border to do it. Right. Exactly. So the bill had like $60 billion for Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel, $4.8 billion to support regional partners in the Indo-Pacific region, and then some humanitarian aid. You might hear Ray Ray potentially vomiting behind yeah, us. That's it. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, and then um, some money for humanitarian aid for to both Gaza and Ukraine. The humanitarian aid to Gaza is... Uh, I won't go there. Uh, uh, they've, like, recently stopped funding, like, the actual aid group from the UN because, like, there was that whole report where, like, some of those aid workers were, like, actually working with Hamas, which now is right. sort of in... Disputed, uh, potentially. I'm shocked, shocked, I'm shocked, shocked that's to hear that maybe that's disputed. not yeah. real. Yeah. So, like, the idea that they're, like, need a bill to give humanitarian aid when there's also three times more aid for Israel, which doesn't seem to be having much of an issue genociding without this particular no. money that's in this bill. And really but went it, to town during the Super Bowl, I hear. Really, yes, exactly. So, anyway, that's the bill. And it sailed through the Senate. And everybody was like, well, this is a slam dunk in the House because there's probably a good hundred and some Republicans who are willing to vote for this. And all the Democrats in the House are desperate to keep warring around mm. the world. As much as Wherever possible. there's a war, yeah. it needs to continue to be funded by yes. the Democrats Absolutely. and Democrats alone. Anyway, so we think it's going to pass the House. Right. Well, Mike Johnson, <laughs> as of today, isn't going to take it up. And the reason is too bonkers to even comprehend. I'm shocked. Because... The reason that he's not going to do it is because the Senate bill doesn't have any provisions for the border. <laughs> Outrageous! <laughs> what? He put, yeah, he put out an official statement from the office, and he said, Now, in the absence of having received any single border policy change from the Senate, the House will have to continue to work its own, its own will on these important matters. <laughs> this is like a who's on first legislative... <laughs> catastrophe so they're going to do their own aid package but like now it seems like they've he's sort of backed himself into a corner because like is he now he has to put the border stuff back into the aid package because but he just said no this is a catch-22 because they can't pass the border package but they can't pass it so now he's created a problem for everyone (laughs) because he has created an impossible there is no there's no border package without war aid. There's no war aid without border package. He's made this up out of thin air. There's no need for any of it. And now they're going to look like idiots on in a cycle forever. All because of their own actions. Right. Speaking of, it's, if it isn't my so, own, the consequences of my own actions. Like, what? It's so crazy. <laughs> what kind of crazy logical lapse loop did we? Oh, my God. It's so good. And instead, oh, they're man. just going to keep trying to impeach the head of Homeland Security. Oh, they did. Oh, they finally did. I literally did. just it got a notification. It just happened because they were just yes. about to vote on it this afternoon. No, they passed. It passed. Why? 214 to 213, which is our point about why this George yeah, Santos that, but, seat Well, no, I know they were matters. waiting for Steve Scalise to come back from he his cancer back. treatment. And two Democrats were gone. And they, so, it was like they had a small window to do it. Yeah, well, and supposedly, 
when they, and I don't know if we ever got the details, but when this failed, because it failed on the floor, which was right. spectacular, because yes. you don't yeah, bring this week, especially yeah. something like this up to the floor no. if it's not a slam dunk. And he said in a press conference, very casually, and I don't know if how whether we got the follow-up or not, but he was like, you know, uh, things happen and blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then he also said something to the effect of like, um, sometimes people are in the house that you don't think are going to be there. <laughs> so they literally, I think- They miscounted? Yes. Well, I mean, I think they had counted properly, but literally brought it to a vote when there was a Democrat there who I think they thought was going to like be at the doctors or something like that. Like, oh, yeah. So oh, they thought sneaky. they thought they were going to win two fifteen to two fourteen, but it was tied because there was an extra Democrat there that they didn't account for. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, so it did pass oh earlier today, which is still ridiculous and is also going nowhere. I mean, even some no. Republicans voted with the Democrats. That's why it was so close. Right. Um. So yeah, well, it's it's because he didn't detain. Every migrant that crossed the border. Well, that's what, tri- it's like, like something. It was like they were mad at him for not doing something impossible. Well, right. Well, and also like the the Republicans that voted with the Democrats were sort of the point that everybody was trying to make here is that like you don't impeach somebody because they're bad at their job. And no. I'm not even saying that he is bad at his job, but that's what the Republicans were right. claiming. They were being like, yeah. he's not doing his job properly. And it's like, well. That's not a high crime and misdemeanor. No. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe, you know, put pressure on him to be fired or something like that. I don't right. know. But, like, being impeaching the guy is not, like, the answer to the question that you're looking for. Yeah. Well, they're claiming he didn't enforce immigration law because he didn't detain everyone in mystery locations that don't have, <laughs> right. that don't exist. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, it's the kind of thing that the kind of people who would lock themselves into this border bill crisis uh, would do. Right. So I guess in that sense, yeah. Mayorkas has that going for him, is that he's now sure. at the whim of people who can't succeed because of their own <sighs> rules. But, you know, whatever. In any case, as final news, we have some follow-ups to the Trump court dramas. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you didn't listen to, you, you got to listen to the episode with Ben. I feel like that was... A great episode. Yes. He was great. And I feel like it really clarified so much for me, a person who is generally reading the news yep. about all of those court cases. So I feel like if you're looking for a, you know, we're going to update you on some of them now, but like if you want to really drill down into, you know, what some of these things are at well, all, I had started to, to be able to keep track of them. Lost I, in a few of them because total. there were a few of the newer ones that were coming up where I was starting to mix them up and I couldn't yep. figure out what states they were from and I couldn't figure out what level of court they were at. And it was like, so it was really helpful for me just in terms of like breaking down exactly where the cases were and what the cases were. Right. Um, so last week we talked about, you know, there's this immunity case, right? right? And that was in the D.C. Circuit Court. And we were, this is the case as to whether Trump can even be tried for these things because he has presidential immunity, right? right? He's claiming that he has immunity, he could do anything, this was, you know, he could go and shoot people on the street and he's the president, so that's fine. So they ruled on that this week and it was pretty scathing. It was a long, it was a long opinion and they were like, you you don't have that. (laughs) Like whatever it is that that you think that you had, you don't have. You can be tried for all of these things. So of course he immediately like, asked SCOTUS to take it up, and it seems like they're going to, and I think that they have now also asked for Jack Smith to... <laughs> Sorry, we got Ray Ray doing parkour now. 
very Ray, interrupting it's Ray Ray's here. Witching Sorry, hour. it is. Sorry. Um, anyway, so that seems like we're gonna get the Scotus is on the case yes. there, um, which is what we thought was going to happen. That's what yeah. Ben told us was ultimately going to happen. Yeah, so I would have to. I mean, yeah, of because course. he's Trump was always gonna keep appealing this forever. So we have that case. Right. Then there's the case about whether Trump can be on the ballot or not. Right. And they heard that Trump, yeah. last week. And it was surprising which justices were asking which questions. Yeah. And it, it, it seemed like most of them didn't have much interest in excluding him from the ballot. Right. So it seems like that is, he's probably going to get let back on in those yeah. places that brought this, this yeah. case. The Colorado yeah. and Maine. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems like that case might be going nowhere. <clears throat> um. We're also, though, on Thursday, we're going to get the first ruling in the criminal case over the Stormy Daniels hush money. Right. You'd probably forgotten about that one. I mean, there's so many of them. <laughs> These know. are getting to be Because we cuts. didn't really talk much about that one no. last week. No, yeah. but we're about to have some drama with that. Yeah. So um, yeah. that, look out for that on yeah. Thursday. That also, old... a new Peacock docu-series about Stormy, Stormy Daniels, Daniels coming yeah. to Peacock. And isn't Stormy Daniels doing a reality show now? Yeah, Dilf Island or Dilf, Dilf, Dilf Island. something yeah. like that. <laughs> Dilf, Dilf something. So yeah. she's back on the scene, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good and then, for her. yeah, no, I feel like, listen, listen. <laughs> if you get into the news on the level of Stormy Daniels yes. and you don't immediately find a trashy reality show to host and a, you know, yes. second, you've been second rate streamer right. to do a docuseries about you, you're not, you're not living right. No. Yeah. You've been robbed. <laughs> right. So she's. She's out here doing things. Yeah. And I love anytime Stormy Daniels is back in the news because I think it reminds... Some of these Trump cases start to sound very technical. Yeah. And this I, reminds you that he's just like an actual He's like a trashy person. person. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, and then we might get an, a Trump org uh, business yes. ruling also at some point. This is uh, the one from the, you know, the, um, the, the judge, you know... Who was smiling for the camera? Yeah. and they did the you know. Uh, yeah, the the, the family open matters too. opening. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's so how. that that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the Trump legal news continues to roll in. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're gonna have to have Ben on more times this year than we've ever oh, had yeah. him on in our lives because these this these news updates are more exciting when he can explain the context for them. But so we'll be back with that that information next week and also. Just other information. <laughs> Just other That's news. Right. Uh-huh. Including who wins this George Santos special election. Oh, yeah. And you you'll know. know. You'll when know. When you're listening to this, probably. Yeah, exactly. So that's um, exciting for you. Fingers crossed for that. And also for all of us, for America. <laughs> we'll talk to you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.